Following a partner to a foreign country, new city or rural community can impact your career, network and access to continuing education. Brunch is a podcast from the Trailing Spouse Co, where I, your host Joe Palmer, chat with trailing spouses from all over the world. Brunch is a chance to meet trailing spouses, hear their stories, the highs, the lows, as well as advice, tips and tricks to get the most out of your trailing spouse experience. Our In Conversation episodes are chats with experts in areas that are related to the trailing spouse experience. Whether you're an expat, you've moved to a new town or community, or you're a defence or military spouse, many of the themes, challenges and opportunities are the same. In this episode, I speak with Chris Edwards, the founder of Honeycombers and Launchpad. Chris delves into her trailing spouse experience and how they impacted the establishment and the growth of her businesses. She gives some really good, not advice, but suggestions around ways that you can explore the concept of starting your own business as a trailing spouse. I hope you get some really good takeaways like I did, as I always really enjoy my conversations with Chris. Hello, Chris. Hey, Joe. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited about this in conversation. Um, I am very pleased to have Chris Edwards here with me today, who I am going to let introduce herself. Um, But I think that I'm... I've been excited about recording this because I always like talking about these sorts of things that you and I end up having lots of conversations offline and I like it when we get to stick a microphone in front of us and record these for other people to listen to. So thank you. Do you want to give us a bit of a um, a bit of a rundown, well, initially on your trailing spouse journey that um, I would, well, I'm going to take the, the liberty of saying probably um, was the shot in the arm to actually get kick-started this sort of next piece of your career that you've been doing for the last sort of 15 or so years. So give us a bit of a rundown on um, where you fit into the scheme of things. Yeah, thanks, Joe. And likewise, we also have, we always have great energy and too many ideas together. So this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, okay, so I suppose my trailing spouse journey really started when I was about 26. Um, we moved from Sydney to Singapore, my husband and I, uh, and mainly we moved because we bought a uh, oh, almost derelict um, terrace house in Redfern and we got a quote to kind of get it renovated and it was way beyond our budget and we were kind of like, what do we do? Um and his workplace was opening an office in Singapore and they said, if you pay your own way and pay all your own accommodation and set up, you can go and work in Singapore. And my husband and I have always loved travel. We lived in London before. We'd travelled South America. We've travelled Europe. We love travel. Um, so we were like, great, what an adventure. Let's do it. So we moved to Singapore in 2007 uh, and I really struggled to get a job. I, my background was marketing. I had a really high paying, really like golden handcuffs role in Sydney. I was the marketing director for Krispy Kreme. And when I moved to Singapore, no one was able to match my salary. And I ended up getting a job in publishing as a general manager of a custom publishing firm that sat inside a larger magazine business. Um, and it was 
quite hellish as a role because <laughs> not only did I not know anything about publishing, but I was managing a team who could clearly see I didn't know much about publishing. So it was um, it was really hard going and my husband actually begged me to leave that role and I didn't really want to leave it, but he was like, you were so unhappy. I mean, we're talking crying in the bathrooms at lunch hour, unhappy. And um, yeah, so I left that role and that really, um, I suppose, um, gave me the opportunity and drive to start my own business. And I started my first business uh, in 2008. So we just celebrated 15 years of that business, which is a digital media business called Honeycombers, which is like a city guide. So a lot like Time Out Magazine or Urban List or Broadsheet if you're from Australia. And that um, that has been a really wonderful business that I created and we're now, yeah, in three countries and, you know, it's seven figures and 35 staff. It's really, it's been a really, you know, it's been a journey, but it's in a really great place now. Um, and yeah, more recently with COVID, um, I really found a need for myself to find business community to support, I suppose, the stress of running a business through COVID. So during COVID, um, our revenues dropped, I think it was 90% one month to the next. And I remember it so clearly because it was also the month that we as a family decided that my husband would stop work. So it was like this like massive, massive stress on stress. Like not only is my business totally unpredictable and heading south, but also we just decided we couldn't homeschool the kids and both try and work. So we were going to kind of double down on, on my career and let my husband focus on the kids, um, which you know, it sounds really weird, but it was the right decision, but it was um, incredibly stressful. And the way I got through that moment was really to find my business besties and call on them for help. And that's kind of where the concept of my my next business came from, which is a, a business community called Launchpad, which is now almost two years old. So that's a very long-winded um, explanation, but I hope that kind of shares a bit of my my journey and background and sets the scene a bit. 100% because I think that that misery and I hate saying words like that as far as when you're in paid employment because I know there's lots of people that feel they're in this like pit of despair and they're like I would even take a job that I hate if it meant getting me out of the house and like communicating and interacting with people but um mate I've been in a role like that before as well like tears before work and I'm like, I'm an adult. What am I doing? This is just horrific. And same thing. My husband was like, dude, you've, we've got to pull up stumps. Like this is ridiculous. And we actually then moved to Scotland. So maybe that's the thing when you're like crying at work, then just quit your jobs and move countries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, d- I definitely think for women, you do just end up emotionally just, I don't know, it all comes to the surface. And I think it's just the, the almost the emotional stress of being around people that um, maybe don't understand you very well or don't respect you or don't um, don't want to, you know, really, I suppose, have you as their boss. You know, like it, it's very hard. And um, I see it, I, I've seen it happen even in my own company where we've promoted someone really young and we've had older people who have to report to them. And you can just see this, like they're trying really hard, but 
They just, and I just didn't have the managerial skills to navigate my way through it, nor did I have a mentor to help me, you know? So it's easy hindsight, right? But yeah, it is a really awful place to be in. Um, But you're right. You kind of like, it's either this or sitting at home and watching the washing machine. So, you know, like what's the worst of the two evils? Mm, Yeah. Look, Going down that mentoring thing, that's that's another whole episode. We can do that another time. But I totally agree and I sometimes think that um, that actual literally writing a pros and cons list can be um, very liberating. And I think as well that there's, with our crowd listening to this, that there's quite often um, that trigger is not that you're in employment that you don't like but that fact that you can't get employment, that that's the that's the the kickstart to actually get something started business-wise. So can you talk me through, like, what did the early years of starting a business in a foreign country actually look like? Because the people that I've sort of talked to um, on the podcast so far have are still sort of in those early-ish stages, so maybe two, three, five years of a business. But, like, you're doing something, or well, one, the business concept itself was pretty out there doing digital stuff 15 years ago. Like we were just talking offline about workshops that I used to run in 2017, which were teaching people how to use Zoom, which just seems obscene now. But like this is a good 10 years before that. Like talk me through what doing something quite rogue looked like, but then I'm assuming that you hadn't started a business before either, that I'm assuming there was a bit of blind navigation through this sort of process. Yeah, no, I hadn't started a business before um, and initially I did start with I had three business partners but within the first year they all left um, and I also um, fell pregnant in month one of like, launch. I launched in December and I found out I was pregnant. Oh, I launched in December, November and I found out I was pregnant four weeks later. So, um, But that was okay because I was like this business is going to give me the freedom to, you know, um, kind of you know, work with a boob out basically or work with one foot foot on the rocker, which I used to do a lot. Like I used to sit at my desk and my daughter just loved constant movement. But, yeah, I'd, I'd attempt to just and, – and I think I really enjoyed the intellectual stimulation. I don't, I don't like – like I don't mind holidays. In fact, I enjoy holidays, but I can't do more than three weeks, you know. Like I, I really um, love to kind of keep thinking and exploring things. So I'm not a – I yeah I I don't do um stillness or <laughs> quiet time that well so you know like if I had to take 12 months of maternity leave I it wouldn't work for me I definitely am a I'm happy doing um but Can yeah, I just stop so you there think, though like seriously um, we have to we just yeah. have to make note of like business with a boob out I feel like that is a business concept in itself <laughs> You know what I actually took <laughs> Um, I took my youngest into the office and at that stage I had about 15 staff and they were all fairly young Singaporeans and I just I hadn't I hadn't um I hadn't weaned my baby and I hadn't also um expressed any milk and I was just like I'm just really sorry I'm just going to bring him in I was so used to working while breastfeeding uh, and I just remember being in a meeting and these poor young Singaporeans, one Singaporean boy is just like, oh, my God, where do I look? And I'm like, it's okay. I'm okay. You know, like, it's okay. It's okay. This is just a normal part of life. And I was a little bit like, 
look, it's my company. I'm going to fucking breastfeed. Excuse my French. I'm going to breastfeed in the office because also I'm a massive feminist and I like, didn't even know it at the time that I was such a feminist, but I'm just like, this is just life, right? And I want to feed my baby and I don't, I like hated expressing milk, but I also was like, but I want to see here and be here and get shit done. So yeah, I've, I've had a few moments actually. I had another meeting once where I went to a client meeting with a baby in a pram and I was just like, you know, I'm sorry, this is me for the next six months. Like if you want to meet me, I'm coming with a pram, you know, like, and I just, I think it, it sh- should be fairly more normalized than what it is. Um, but yes, power to, again, power that, to was, you. <laughs> that was 10 years ago in Singapore, right? So again, like we used to, I remember breastfeeding my baby, Evie, who's now 14 in Raffles Hotel. And they actually asked me to move to a separate room so I wouldn't expose myself. Um, so, wow. So yeah, even that was early. But yeah, it's funny at this hindsight because um, yeah, it's just, it's just, the world has changed so quickly. The world has changed so quickly and I think you forget. But yeah, when I started my business, I remember very clearly saying to my best friend, are you sure people are going to google to find information like are you sure they're going to trust websites for like lifestyle guides of things to do because it wasn't a thing so it was a gamble and I literally I trust her she's a smart cookie and she was like yeah I reckon it's worth putting a bet on you know like that's literally the conversation <laughs> wow it's hilarious now it does yeah. doesn't it that's crazy so talk me through like how did you actually navigate those first steps like how do you even incorporate a business 15 years ago? Who did you talk to? Who did you, how did you even, like, get started? Do you know, it wasn't hard. Singapore's a really great place to set up a business. Like, it's, it's just Singapore government is really supportive of business. So none of it was hard. We didn't use any consultants. Um, and, I, and I did start with some friends. So they were very smart people I started with um, and they kind of went on to do incredible things. But, um, yeah, and what was good was one was a developer, one was a graphic designer, and then I had another um, partner who helped her and I wrote all the content. Um, so, yeah, none of that seemed very difficult at all. I think we didn't get an accountant uh, fast enough. Like as much as you can do all your own books in Singapore because it's, it is a it is a country designed to, you know, not like Australia where you actually really need an accountant to be able to do your books. Um, the setup is you can you can absolutely do all your tax online without any um, support from an accountant. But that's one thing I didn't do early enough um, and there were some pretty hairy moments where I hit a million dollars in revenue and I didn't realise I should have started charging GST. So there was a few things like that, <laughs> incredibly stressful. Um <laughs> Oh, we got through. We got through. There's been a lot of stressful moments, but um, I just like they're they're all I suppose little scars that I'm I'm proud we got through them, and I I I can really relate to you know just not knowing. You don't know what you don't know, right? So that's what um, I find is the the most challenging thing of being an entrepreneur, and and that's kind of what we're trying to solve with Launchpad. So talk me through then as we sort of switch gears to people that are that are listening to this with more of a I guess 
want to to understand if they're sort of at either one of those crossroads of like in a job that they're not enjoying or they're not working and they're wanting to sort of engage in business ownership and starting and those sorts of things. I've got lots of questions um, because I've done this a couple of times myself as well and it's always really interesting um, getting, well, I was going to say getting people's advice. People are quite happy giving you advice at all times. So maybe I'm going to try and avoid the word advice. Um, I might rephrase it to around uh, what are your thoughts on doing business by yourself or with a business partner or partners? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, Look, I just think there's pros and cons and it really depends on the partner who you're thinking of going into business with. So it definitely helps you kind of feel less lonely and it can de-risk it. Um, If there's two of you that are able to, I suppose, work on the strategy and, and even the execution. So I think there's, I think it's with like what you said earlier, with lots of these decisions you get faced um, as a trailing spouse or as an entrepreneur, it's really great just to journal the pros and cons. Um, But I just also think going into business with a partner, it's actually more intense than a marriage, I think. Um, And I think the the biggest, most important thing to do is have a really clear letter of understanding, like an MOU, a memorandum of understanding, which is this is what we're aiming for, this is what I will do, this is what you will do. And, you know, you can always go back to that document and go, hang on, when we started out we kind of said this. Um, But you definitely need documentation around your expectations and just really, really good alignment on expectations. And then you just need really great communication, Um, you know, constant like, positive and also you know well-managed critical feedback as well and so what I mean by well-managed is you know you you just you want to be able to deliver feedback in a way that helps people remain motivated and doesn't you know kind of flatten them like a Mack truck. Mm. I think from past experience because we're not giving advice but from past experience that I've gone through I think that um, you touched on it with not getting an accountant early enough I would thoroughly recommend um, getting lawyers involved really early on in that MOU around a partnership agreement, like do it properly because there's money, there's IP, like intellectual property involved, there is roles and responsibilities and things. And I think often having a third party that um, will challenge you both in the same room in front of each other um, is a really positive experience to sort of get a really robust thing and to almost like um, guide or put some scaffolding and structure around how you're going to have that polite, robust, positive like conversation and be able to give constructive criticism and feedback. I think having those things in place really early on is something that I probably did a bit late in another experience of mine as well. So I would love to add that because I think those are really good points that you've made there. What do you think then as far as, um, as far as the ideas and, 
what you're going to do and whether you're going to do this by yourself with all of the hats or if you're going to share those roles between a business partner um, or partners. What are your thoughts around thinking about how the business is going to finish right at the start? Yeah, I think it's a very interesting point and I think it comes back to what's your purpose with the business? Like what's your goal? And are you building um, a business that you can sell? Are you building a business that is like a family dynasty, a legacy business that you can pass on? Um, And they're kind of like the two options. Or are you building a business just for a period of your time that you may or may not be able to sell, but it just serves you a purpose in terms of it provides you an engine for you to engage and get, you know, I suppose paid for what you want to do. Uh, and I think I think the big thing around knowing where you're going, um, lots of people come to me and say, I'm not sure if I should do this or this. And I'm like, well, it depends on where do you want to be in five years? Like where's your North Star? So if you know where you're going, decisions are a lot easier to make along the way. And you can also align decisions um, around, I suppose it's really what you invest in. Um, so for example, if you are a business and you intend to sell, if you go and buy shares in another business, they won't be valued, for example, if, if the, the new company has no interest in those shares. So that would be a, a, a kind of a misalignment in your investment strategy um, th- as opposed to um, thinking if someone wants to buy this business, then they're really just looking for assets and in that genre in which I'm working or that I'm building value. Uh, And then another big one is just um, setting up your uh, financial reports and understanding like what is driving your EBITDA or your net profit number. That is the most important number usually when people go to value your business and what goes into that number and what gets excluded from that number. So I think that's a really important um, element to thinking about if someone's going to buy this business, then you know, and 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 really striving for that EBITDA number. But yeah, I, I I find it really interesting the whole um, where do you want to go? I feel like not a lot of people spend enough time thinking about it, and it is it it can answer so many questions about should I do this or should I do that? It's like it depends. Like if you know your destination, then actually you know which lefts and rights to take along the way. Mm. Um, I just want to wind back slightly. If some of that jargon that Chris was using prior doesn't make sense to you, then that's probably exhibit A of when you need to get an accountant in to uh, give you some 101s on <laughs> on what those sorts of things. If you didn't do business studies or economics at school and uh, that profit, net profit, all of the things sounds th- like I would get some advice prior to professional advice, not advice, not just advice from randoms giving it to you. But I think that, um, like you said, like we we don't, talk, I don't think we talk about that enough because I think that doing, having a plan on how you either want to get out or how you want to exit the business really does impact the decisions you're making. So like you said, if it's a lifestyle business that you're going to do for a finite amount of time while potentially you're abroad or you're living in a certain circumstance or you're going to do something while kids, until kids go to high school or there's a finite amount of time making an investment in 
physical infrastructure that makes day-to-days easier for you might be a good idea. Or I'm thinking of a friend who has a shoe company that sort of grew that she, her warehousing is a big shed on her farm, which is not a particularly saleable asset to sell the whole business if the warehousing setup is on like that person's property that she's not going to sell the farm with the shoe business. So getting things into um, into place that make it easier for um, how you want to sell things. And I think for service businesses, um, a lot of people get tangled up in that if you are the service and that you're the superstar of the business that people think that that you can't sell like if you're a consultant that you can't actually sell that business but there is lots of things that you can actually put in place that can turn a consulting business into a saleable asset as well so I think that that's really interesting to sort of explore early on um with that exploration sort of word still up front how much time do you think people should actually spend thinking about a business concept or an idea before they sort of start doing the vision, mission and purpose? Like how much time, is there a finite amount of time? Is that sort of, or is it more of a, a process to go to through, do you think? I don't think I can give you a, a prescriptive time, but maybe I could say I would recommend that you do, I'm going to say between 20 and 30 deep dive interviews with either your ideal customer or someone who's been in the industry, um, anyone who can give you insights into your concept or your business. And I think just having those deep dive conversations is um, it's incredibly valuable for working out what your vision and mission and what your, what your essence is going to be all about. So I think it's more about doing that research and really um, asking lots of questions. And uh, someone gave me a tip is to do it on Zoom and record it so you can go back and watch it. Um, it's a really good tip. Uh, and also I think is don't be afraid to ask for introductions. So, you know, hunt around on LinkedIn, find someone you, you're, you're keen to interview for your project or your business and then find someone in common and and ask them to introduce you. And I think you'll often be surprised at how willing other people are, are to help. Um, and I feel like entrepreneurs in particular uh, are very willing to help other entrepreneurs because they all know how hard it is. And it is like a, I feel like people understand the value of, well, certainly in my circles, People understand the value of community and connection and, you know, I suppose giving first um, without any expectation on return Uh, because if you can build relationships through generosity and giving of your time or knowledge, you never know when it's going to come back to you, but I'm, I'm sure as heck it does. So I feel like that's, that would be my advice for someone who's mulling over a business idea. I 100% second that as well. Like it's such a, uh, I don't know how you would ever sort of measure that return, but it is legit. I think that if you sort of a happy sharing experience, and like you said, realistically, everyone that 
has sort of battled through, if they can feel that they help you avoid just even one of the issues or challenges or problems that they came across that I think that people like really do want to share to help you avoid that. But I think as well that concept of sort of sending the elevator back down that once you've sort of come out of the other side is that being sharing and generous with your experiences as well. Like people like people like and appreciate that, I think. What we're not doing advice. What suggestions could you make to people that might be in those really early stages of business so that they've, um, you know, they've they've jumped in, they've not just tiptoe in water, they're in there, um, but they might be sort of flailing around like, you know, in the, the water's got a bit deep. <laughs> Any suggestions on, uh, on, on what people can be doing or say, say your three, your three favourite suggestions of things when, when people are in those really early stages that actually feel like the trenches? Yeah. I'm not sure I've got three, but I think my big one is just to find your tribe. So um, go out there and network like a like a crazy woman or a crazy man and find your tribe. And, you know, I think that means putting yourself out there, going to in-person events, joining community groups, um, but don't don't just do that. You actually need to, as I said before, contribute and um, be generous and really connect and build relationships as opposed to just kind of signing up for things and attending one or two things. Like I, I can see with Launchpad, the people who get the most value out of the community are actually the people that put the most in. And, and yeah, so I think when you find your tribe and what I mean by that is you really want, um, I don't know, I suppose it's between three and six people that you can call on at any time who would love to help you because you've helped them or they know that, you they you know, they're, they're, it's a true relationship, right? And so it's like like having a mini, a mini board of directors um, and I think that is what every business owner needs and, you know, like I think it used to be a lot, lot harder to find. I mean, I used to go to dinner parties and actually just talk to the guys who were working in corporates and I would often just give them like here's my challenge and, you know, and they were my friends' husbands and they'd be like, come over on Sunday and we'll spreadsheet together and I'd be like, oh, thank you so much, you know, but now I feel like there's a lot more women, there's a lot more female entrepreneurs and there's a lot more female entrepreneur spaces. Um, But, yeah, back when I started, I didn't really know too many other female entrepreneurs and and when I went to networking events they were either really male and corporate or really like I don't know um kind of like 50 year old um 60 year old uh, kind of seasoned expats but you know I was I was 28 like they were not my people um so yeah I think finding your tribe is all you need to do getting that mini board of directors, building those really great relationships where, you know, you want to help them and they want to help you. And that's that doesn't come naturally to everyone. Like, Joe, you and I are quite different in that we, lo- we love people and we can do this naturally, but some people are, are not the extroverts and they just need to work hard on building these relationships. But that's that will help you 
not just with your business idea, but your research and also just your mental health, you know, like it's, that's probably the biggest challenge. It's just the mindset, you know, like how do you keep going? When do you give up if it's a bad idea? How do you keep going if it's a good idea, but it's just hard slog at the beginning? You know, I, th- I do think like they're the big challenges and big decisions you need to make uh, and they're really tough. Mm. I think my only addition to those fabulous suggestions is tell everyone and anyone your idea. This I this concept of like I'm just oh you know I'm working on something but you know like I don't want to say anything yet because you might steal my idea. Like people don't aren't going to steal your idea. The fact that by the time you're even confident enough to tell someone, you've already been chewing that over in your mind for far longer than the person that you've just told your magical idea. And I say that because I've had many a magical idea and I've then told anyone that will listen and they'll be like, oh, haven't you heard of this exact business that does that? And I'm like, oh, no, I hadn't heard of that, but thank you. And then you can dive into that business and be like, okay, am I different enough? Can I do things? Can I niche? Can I do this? Or I might say that is already being served and shelve that idea onto the next magical idea. I think that tell anyone and everyone, and like you said, tell them what you're having issues with because I'm constantly dumping my challenges on people and they're like, oh, I can help you with that or so-and-so would be able to totally talk you through that or, oh, you should listen to this podcast or read this book and things. And that is by far the biggest way that I've been able to solve like challenges and issues and things that I've had over the years. So tell everyone. Yeah, I think that's a very good shout and I think um, it really comes down to, I suppose, having that beginner's mindset and leaving your ego at the door. So I think if you um, if you if you let your ego get in the way, you can often um, worry about someone stealing your idea or worry that someone's going to judge your idea for being rubbish or um, give you negative feedback, right? But the more you can tell your idea and get feedback, the more you can refine it. And yeah, absolutely right, Joe. Like I feel like people need to be courageous and know that it's 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 a constant learning game. That's one of the best things about being an entrepreneur. Like there's always so much to learn, which is exciting, right? Like you know, that it's just there's never a dull moment. There's never there's never a day when something doesn't come across you where you're like, "Oh, that's great. Can I use that or should I avoid that or is that going to muff my business up or how do I protect my business against that or how do I how do I ride that wave? You know, so yeah, I think it's that you've got to, that beginners always learning mindset and checking your ego. I think is also really important. Well, I think that's like such a beautiful way to sort of round this out. Is that quite often for people that have relocated and are having like this almost internal crisis around who am I now? What is my identity now that I have left my job? I'm no longer the marketing queen of Krispy Kreme donuts um, and I've landed in this this place. But um, if you were feeling isolated from a previous career and that, that, that real identity piece is bearing down on you, that even giving yourself permission to toy with that concept of a business idea or project that you do for a finite amount of time in that 
like current situation that you're in or location that you're in, the days can very quickly be filled with that learning piece. And I think that that is like a real gold nugget to sort of wrap this up on is that, again, if you sort of like, oh gosh, the thought of reinvention or, you know, doing something completely new, you don't, it might take you 12 months to actually launch something because you do the learning and do the research and suss everyone out. And those 30 conversations you have, it might, you might do two of them a month. Like that's still a couple of years chatting to people. Like it's, it's a, it's a long, long time to sort of do things and filling your days with learning something new, I think is just such a, um, a really cool side benefit, I guess, of exploring doing something on your own. So Chris, thank you so much. Like as always, I've now got all of these other thoughts about things <laughs> as what happens every time I talk to you. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I feel like every time we see each other, we we cook up a new business idea every time and I'm always like, oh, that's really nice. I think, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a real balancing act, isn't it, of knowing what to pursue and what to let go and, you know, like I'm, I, I think the big thing I've learned this year is to try and avoid the the shiny new object syndrome. So, you know, I feel like every idea is a wonderful idea, and I got to move quickly because, like, it's not going to be there forever. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like a little puppy dog that sees something shiny, and I'm like, oh, let's go. Uh, but it's yeah, it's it's not it's not sustainable <laughs> given everything else I've got on my plate, and yeah, and the that yeah it's just I don't need it I'm I've, like my cup is overflowing and I just I have to kind of learn to um sit with ideas for longer and let them lose their shine a little and then see if they're still attractive in and I need two or three months but yeah I, I know Joey we're we're like but we're very similar like that actually it's the, know, it's the creative say, from, energy right yeah from one long-term sufferer to another um Thank you so much for your time, Chris. I will put all of the links to your bits and pieces in with this recording. And thank you so much for your, not advice, your suggestions on moving forward. <laughs> Love it, Joe. Always a pleasure. Really enjoyed our chat. So thank you for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Brunch by the Trailing Spouse Co. If you're a trailing spouse anywhere in the world, join us. We're a place that you will find other like-minded professional trailing spouses, as well as training, education and employment opportunities. Head to thetrailingspouse.co and connect with our network. And if you'd like to join me for brunch, you'll find a link on the website to register your interest for a chat. At The Trailing Spouse Co, we are passionate about ensuring that you are connected, your mind is stimulated and that you're always learning.